Greetings, here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I'm Eddie Cohn, the host, creator of the show. Thrilled you're here today. I'm excited to welcome Matt Belinsky back onto the show. I had him on the show about six months ago, and it feels like as time has unfolded, the world looks even crazier than I ever could have imagined. So I, I thought it was important to have Matt back on the show, especially as California is on the verge of a um, of a recall. So um, Matt is on Instagram, at Matt Belinsky. He's a media and business attorney. He's also a startup advisor. But I became intrigued and curious about Matt because he also uses his Instagram to break down the news and give objective perspective. I think it's so hard to find honest and truthful information these days, which I think is sort of why we're in this strange position right now. You know, the Boston Globe just shared an article a couple days ago, or I think actually today, where uh, scientific evidence has come out where if you've had COVID, that will be um, a better protector against the Delta variant as opposed to the vaccine. But it's it's like that doesn't even matter at this point. It's it's already been decided, or the political parties of the world, or the pharmaceutical part, or the pharmaceutical companies in the world have already decided that you should get the vaccine no matter what. And I just listened to really quickly here before the interview or conversation with Matt. Please check out Zuby on the Joe Rogan show. It dropped maybe two or three weeks ago, but the first hour really represents. I think very clearly the dangerous world that we live in right now. We have all these, you know, I'm, I'm a health advocate. I do my best to take care of myself. I saw this post a few weeks ago on Instagram where this really overweight woman has a shirt on that says vaccinated AF or vaccinated as fuck. And I'm thinking, and this is the strange world we live in where people think if they just get the vaccine, they're okay. It's, it's like it doesn't matter if you eat hamburgers all day and have soda all day and don't exercise. I think people live in this false pretense that it strangely feels like it's easier work to just get a vaccine and then you've sort of done your part. The media has, has manipulated people to think that you are a better person if you've gotten the vaccine. It's, it's like there's all these salubrious activities that one can participate in, and I don't see anybody in the media talking about those, be it exercising, riding your bike, eating well. I just think it's a strange, strange world we live in right now. And I think it's really important to find people that offer nuanced and honest and truthful perspective like Matt is doing. Um, just just for example, before I let you go and you hear the talk, I'm riding my bike a couple days ago, and this, this huge house has a huge sign on their front lawn, uh, or like on the bushes, and it says, vote no on the recall. Don't let any of the MAGA hat lunatics run California. And, and I talked to Matt about this. I, I think the media has done a incredibly brilliant job of pigeonholing anybody that offers a different perspective from what Fauci or the CNNs of the world are sharing. If you offer a perspective or an idea 
that doesn't run the course of the promulgated narrative, then you just must be a lunatic. You must be like a crazy Trump supporter. And I think that is so dangerous because journalists are meant to be asking questions and it feels like what they're doing now is just pointing fingers and calling people that don't subscribe to their beliefs, they think they're crazy. And and you can't have honest, objective, helpful conversations if that is the world that we live in right now. So um, another journalist that I feel is really fantastic is Barry Weiss. So I really suggest you check her out and her podcast. Um, but I just think this is a very important time right now to find people um, that not only listen to your ideas and perspectives if, it, if they differ from everybody else's, but to find people that offer truthful, honest information. They're not influenced by political party but just trying to find the truth. And I think Matt is doing that. So uh, thanks again, Matt, for taking the time to speak to me. I really appreciate it. I think it's a really important conversation. I think it's a really, you know, back to sort of to Joe Rogan and Zuby, they they were even sort of criticizing themselves. Like, I can't believe we're still talking about this. And, And I can't either. You know, there's so many other areas that I'm interested in. But I think this is the greatest, strangest, most bizarre story um, that's affecting the world. And, and I'm very intrigued and also very concerned about where we're headed. So I think these are important discussions to have right now. Again, you can find Matt on Instagram, at Matt Belinsky. He's also on Twitter. Um, you know where to find me on Instagram, at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast website is iameddiecone.com. And that's it. Hope you enjoy the discussion. Thanks, Matt, for taking the time. And thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. First of all, thanks for doing this and, and talking. I, I, I feel like I need this now to uh, have some some free therapy. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. It's you're looking around. It's pretty grim trying to talk to some people who, who trying to make some sense. It's definitely therapeutic. Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot going on that I'm thinking. I have so many things that I can throw at you. But just first of all, didn't you? Did you go to Greece? I was in Greece, yes. So how just how was that? Was that just I'm sure amazing, but but just uh, just tell me about it really quickly. Yeah, so so traveling internet, everything was great. Traveling internationally, there were some pain, you know, some pains and some uh, uh, bureaucratic, you know, hoops you needed to jump through. But everything, life out in Europe, is pretty normal. Um, yeah. You know, we hear about this and that, right? But I mean. There was a, a quick shutdown in Mykonos where I was beforehand. Opened it, they opened it back up, and then I think they just realized, like, what, what on earth do we think we're accomplishing with these half measures and you know a, a, a little restriction here and there? It's just people want to come to these places, people want to socialize, and and really shutting down a club or two here and there is really not going to make a dent in what we're trying to do here in Amsterdam. 
things are still shutting down at midnight, still fascinated to know what they think they're accomplishing by that. But other than that, everything was pretty normal. Uh, the UK, you needed uh, uh, to show proof of vaccination and a negative test to enter. But once you entered, there was no no restrictions. Yeah. It seems like it's a, it feels like um, it's all sort of a, a game of circus and just trying to make people feel like they care about you. Uh, but but to me, you know, I guess to focus it a bit, I, I'm just I'm amazed at this strange combination of virtue single, uh, signaling. And then even yesterday, I saw Sean Penn on CNN, you know, and, and Newsom also where they're, they're comparing people that don't, you know, vac- get the vaccine to drunk drivers. Uh, I, I think this is such a dangerous world to be navigating right now. It's kind of ugly. Yeah. I, I, I find it to be ugly. Yeah. The, I think the drunk driving example and attempt to impose that analogy is really, is really telling, right? Like drunk driving is something that is inherently irresponsible. It's inherently dangerous. And so there's, an, uh, there's, uh, if you engage in the act, like, yes, you're, there's, there's a, a, an inherent moral compunction to that. Like you're doing something wrong. You're putting other people at risk unnecessarily, for no benefit. With the vaccination, you're essentially trying to translate that criticism to people just living their life yeah. and engaging in everyday common activities. And I'm sorry to, to I don't think that's okay. Like you, you, there's not the same moral nexus um, to, you know, to a, a, a inherently irresponsible act where you've deliberately gone and, you know, and, and, made yourself in, you know, less than capable of functioning behind the, at the operation of a dangerous instrument, as opposed to, Hey, I walked outside and I went to the grocery store. Right. And there, if you're going to impose a standard that, Hey, if, if you fall below this standard, you've committed a, a moral wrong and you have actively harmed or, or been reckless in creating the risk of harm for others around you, um, no, I don't think it's okay it, uh, at all to impose that just on everyday activities. And that's what they've done. And here's the thing that I struggle with. I'm, have you read the book Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Portman? No. Uh, it came out in the 80s. It's basically talking about uh, the entertainment industry and the television and how it's, it's no longer about finding truth. It's about entertaining you. And it also talks about um, this, there's two worlds, the Orwellian world, um, and then also the world of the brave new world where um, the government and politicians are keeping the truth away from you. And then you also have this group of people that just don't care. Like they're so apathetic, like as long as they're being fed entertainment, be it now Netflix, Hulu, they just have this immense level of apathy right now. And on the one hand, I, I do feel somewhat encouraged because here we are in the midst of this potential recall of Newsom. So clearly people cared enough sure. to do that and create this, this very rare occurrence to happen here. Um, so that sort of gives me hope. But then I, 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 I mean, six months ago when I had you on approximately guessing, I never thought that we would be in this state right now. And I think it's because we live in this hybrid version of 
I have no idea what's, what to believe anymore. And then we have this immense apathy culturally. I don't know if it's apathy. Admittedly, some of the explanation, some of the kind of knee-jerk or stock explanations that people have for this stuff, I don't necessarily agree with. A lot of people say it's about control and maybe secondarily, people say it's about apathy. I don't know if it is in this circumstance. I think a lot of it here, at least from these louder, louder voices, the Sean Penns, like they want to have something to criticize you on. They want to have something to show I'm I, I'm the moral, morally pure one and you've committed the moral violation, right? Yeah. And this is something that that tracks back quite quite a while. The reason that I think a lot of people are missing this and have a blind spot here is that historically the the people, you know, the scolds and the kind of moral arbiters were super uptight conservative types and the church and those historical institutions. And it was all about maintaining kind of like personal moral uh, purity in conducting yourself on traditional, you know, uh, uh, being family oriented and faith oriented and, and, you know, non-sexual and, you know, and attending church and things like that. And that's just said, okay, we're, we're the ones who are doing this and that's why we're the good people and you're not doing this and that's why you're one of the bad people. And now it's kind of flipped where the, the more like kind of liberal left-leaning progressives are now the ones imposing that, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, these moral ultimatums on everybody and that you're a bad person if you don't, if you don't adhere to it. And that's why. So it's like, oh, they're, they're trying to do X, Y, Z for control. I'm like, all right, a, a little bit. But really what they get, what these people get off on, or what's driving a lot of this is, is moral righteousness. Hmm. And, you know, and they getting to stand up on their soapbox and lecture everybody else and, and just and signal that it's in group signaling about, you know, about these are the good people and these are the bad people. And I mean, if you're look, like, look around and, and look at these various circumstances, if it's drunk driving, I've got, you're making a better case that the people who engage in drunk driving are bad people who have done something bad that either lead, you know, has injured somebody else or could lead to lead to injury for somebody else in you know, transmiss, uh, transmissible diseases. Like I think you need to, t- there's a different paradigm at work. Like you, you can't be, you know, yes, there's people who can be acting irresponsible and there's some people who are just, I think have blown off any concerns about COVID and, and really been really willful in ignoring some of the risks um, and, and potential, you know, risks to others that, yeah, I think have probably crossed that line. But if you've got a bunch of other people who just, you know, can acknowledge that there's some risks, uh, that there's some risks involved but, you know, are looking at what the costs and benefits of the vaccine are, what the promises of the va- of vaccination have been, and, you know, measuring those promises up against the reality and, and what the risk profile uh, of for themselves and for others is of COVID, um, you're essentially just lambasting people and, and, criticizing people and scolding them for living their life for engaging in normal activities and i don't support that yeah i i I don't either And, and i think the vitriol that is spewed towards people that 
aren't getting a vaccination. And then when I hear this, this story, Sean Penn even said it, and Newsom, they're saying, I don't want, why should my health insurance bills go up because somebody is irresponsible because they're not going to get the vaccine and then they're going to be in the hospital and then doctors are going to be wasting time on people that were selfish. Okay, let's translate that to any other variety of, you know. Yes, exactly. Responsible. Okay, well, why aren't we applying that to smoking? Why aren't we applying that to obesity? Why aren't we applying that to people uh, who go to, who are fighters in, you know, uh, uh, trained martial arts for crying out loud? They're going to end up in the hospital more than you are. Okay. Right. Um, there's any other variety of life activities that are perfectly fine, even if some of them are somewhat considered, you know, minor vices. Um, no, it's just, it, we, we've decided to just uh, take an entirely new approach to judging human behavior through the lens of this one thing. Yes. And if it were Ebola, if it were the Black Plague, if it were uh, any variety of other, tra- you know, historical transmissible diseases that like really were that, that fatal, okay, and really did, re- you know, justify a restructuring of society, then yes, but I'm sorry, this does not rise to that to that level, okay? Like, it's it just, we've all seen it. We have the data now, and like, it, it is dangerous. It is more dangerous than the flu. It is more harmful than the flu. But the fatality rates, the rates of hospitalization, and even, you know, and this is what I was, what about people who recovered but have, you know, longer lasting effects? Like, I'm sorry, the evidence doesn't suggest that that's widespread. And it suggests that to the extent that it is, uh, that, that there are lingering effects or more permanent, it's like that it's treatable. That it, you know, much like other, much like a, you know, other things that may damage your circulatory system, like you can treat that and and uh, and uh, heal that. Like you cannot, you know, essentially put the dividing line between heaven and hell uh, to people based on this disease. Yeah. How is your your quote unquote audience? And again, I'm, I'm going to play a little, stuff, little devil's advocate because I appreciate and admire all the information that you're putting out through social media. Thank you. But it's sort of, I have a hard time letting go of this, this apathetic quality of our world. I really connect with that. Like, I really, okay. I ask myself, you know, what does it take to get somebody to be active? Like, they may read, you, you know, it's like... Our lives now are a nonstop ticker tape at the bottom of like Fox News or CNN. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's just, so yeah. what does it take to get somebody to get their ass off of the couch, go beyond reading and actually, you know, go sign petitions, become a voice, become active into this and sort of stop this this insane twist of, of, of fate that's going on right now? That's something that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a couple factors. I mean, one is, you know, you have to make it, give them some, you have to give them, put some meat on the bone. They have to feel like there's something they can do that's worthwhile, which is why I've gotten, I've probably even overemphasized how important this California recall election is Mm, because it's an easier entry point. It's a lower entry point for people to get involved, right? Like you literally can go vote in a higher variance situation that can send a message that will reverberate down the chain of California political leadership, right? It, it go, it's, it's an easier entry, it's a lower entry point even than voting because in, ter- in traditional, you know, m- more normal elections, 
yeah, you usually know who's going to win, right? And this is one that's way higher variance, yeah. right? And that you know, even friends of mine, I don't do political fundraising, but here I can literally tell you, like, this recall election is so close. If you go and donate to these organizations, the money they're putting towards call banks and media could very well and will have a tangible impact. So one, um, you want to, you know, in, in showing people, in giving people an opportunity, an easier access point is something that they think is impactful, right? Because I feel like a lot of these, all the, this hashtag activism in either direction, let's be honest, mostly about raising money. And I think that people, even if they engage in it, they, I don't think they really believe in it, hmm. right? Yeah. Like, it seems like anything, if you want to get involved, look, I donated to this, but you want to know something? Most of these organizations end up wasting the money or spending it on things that, that don't really move the needle. And even, you know, sometimes your ideas and getting points of doing perspectives out there can be more impactful than, you know, fucking donating a hundred dollars. And, and I've, you know, I think it, the path of least resistance, but a really hollow one is it's just every time like, okay, we're going to raise money for this or this tragedy has, has occurred, but I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's just that it, it, they, they, people can't think of any other way to participate. And so that's, that's how they do so. Um, in terms of, of being more vocal and, you know, and participating and being in, uh, if we want to call the opposite of apathy engagement, for them to be more engaged, uh, it's definitely a piece of it is you're going to have to make people more comfortable to do so because they're concerned about the repercussions and, and the uh, uh, friction and hostility that may be visited upon them um, from expressing. Most people, it's not even that they're scared. They just don't want to put up with it. Like, you know, I, I have been able to become a bit of a voice for, you know, whether anyone thinks I'm a positive one or negative one, I'm willing to do it because I don't mind the blowback. I don't mind people coming after me and I don't mind people arguing with me and, you know, dealing even with that, that small fraction of knuckleheads that are going to take it too far and say some, you know, pretty bad things or try to take steps against me. Cause uh, I don't know, most of it, well, no, not most of it, all of it ends up amounting to nothing and they forget about it and we all move on and I keep on saying what I'm going to say. Right. And I don't think people get it. They don't get that if you just don't give in, if you, if you just put up with a little bit of the friction, you stay, you kind of stay on your track, everybody else moves on and you just keep doing your thing. And I think that most people don't want to put up with that and also don't understand that a lot of criticism or opposition really is is temporary and ephemeral and kind of fades into nothing. A really good point that I I, I tell myself like I live in this silly world sometimes where I think that people really care or think about what I have to say, like beyond like the hour, hour and a half. I mean, you're right. And that it sort of goes back to what I was, I said, people just move on to the next show or the next article. Or well, they, they do, but I mean, more so they may keep thinking about you. You may stay, they may even dislike some of the things you say, but like, what are the consequences of that? Hmm. So a handful of people who think about you once every three and a half weeks or something pops to mind, or if your name is brought up, they may say something less than kind, like who cares? 
Yeah. Like they're not sitting there with Eddie Cohn, you know, uh, uh, voodoo dolls sticking pins in them. <laughs> right. Right. So like, who, who really cares that you've drawn the ire of, of you know, some people like who they're, you know, even if they're not apathetic, they still have their own life to live. Like it would be pretty weird if they thought about you that much. Right. That would be pretty good evidence that they're psychopaths. Well, I think it's, it's, it's funny, but I, I think now more than ever, we need people to speak up about against the the quote unquote narrative that's just pushed. I, I had a recent guest, Joseph Arthur. He's a musician. I mean, he lost his manager because he's speaking out against it. If we allow, it's it's one thing about the vax, you know, it's one thing about the mask, sure. but to allow these passports to go through is a whole other level of division and insanity that I I don't think people really understand what we are allowing this culture to potentially, you know, become. Well, because it's coercion and it's discrimination, right? Yeah. And that's why I post so much stuff about the the health impact or, or the results of previously being infected with COVID and recovering versus being vaccinated. There's no like indiscrimination. The, the whole basis of discrimination is that you're denying, you're treating someone differently, you're denying them access to something based on something that's very arbitrary. And so, like, think about like, I think it's arbitrary and I think it's unfair to, to deny people, you know, based on any level of vaccination. But for people who got COVID and recovered, I mean, there is really no case to deny them access to anything that you provide to someone who has uh, been vaccinated. And you're literally saying, we, we like you have ach- having achieved an antibody and immune response via vaccination as opposed to natural. And we will thus discriminate with, uh, against you based on that. I mean, that's crazy. And like, yeah, we, we want as little coercion, government coercion, and as little discrimination and division in society as possible. And this is like, if the benefit is truly that great, Okay, you know, and as I said, if it was Ebola, where really we literally could not operate our society unless people are protected from that. Like literally, even whatever I see going downstairs from my building right now, like that level of activity would be would be treacherous with Ebola. Yeah, this is not that. This is not what we're dealing with. Okay, like think about how many life activities operated last year before there was a vaccine. Okay, and you're now going to take, so you're saying, what you did, a person, I I gave you access to this back in February 2021 or December 2020, but I will now give you, not give you access because you did not engage in this medical procedure. It's like, okay, so why did you allow me access? Why did you allow people to engage in this thing and this behavior? Whatever the risk was in December 2020, well, let's be honest, the risk was greater in December too. That's now less because more people have been vaccinated and more people have gotten natural immunity from infection, right? So like, how do you square the circle and how do you logically uh, uh, justify the fact that you gave me access here and are not giving me access now? Like, that just makes no sense. Well, none of it makes any sense. And and I, I'm waiting for somebody in the world who is a leader of some sort to literally like wake people up and smack them across the head and be like, are, are you realizing where we're headed? And, and yeah, I, this has a lot of dangerous implications. I think and, so. Uh, I think, I think what's frustrating to me is 
The anxiety and the division and, and the deception and the destruction that has been created over the last 16 to 18 months, it, it feels like the screw, they're, they're just tightening those screws. They're, nobody's letting up. And it's just, it, it, and well, I, I get nervous I, about that. Me too, but let, uh, let's take the counterpoint here. I wouldn't, and this is someone, you don't want the outliers to inform your entire position, right? Mm -hmm. As of today, I mean, there's pretty much only one or two cities that has man have mandated vaccine pass, but like vaccine, right? Yes. So think about it. Okay, then what's stopping all the others, right? Like if you're thinking realistically of up till now, and once again, the worst of Delta has already passed. Okay, you already see all of the states are that got hit the hardest are peaking even places that didn't get hit that hard are peaking okay like you're going to see declining case counts uh release pressure from the handful of hospital systems that are under pressure right now and there are some but they're not many it's a handful maybe you know eight to twelve hospital localized hospital systems nationwide right okay so you're gonna start that scene that letting up so how many cities do you really see mandating this put yourself forward fast forward five months Right. Five or six months. Like, do you think it's going to hold up that two to five cities in America are going to require proof of vaccination to engage in indoor life, indoor commercial life? And, the you know, like, how many do you think are going to continue with that? And like, do you think that they're going to hold up? Like, do you think it, it, it February or March of 2022 and New York City is the essentially the only city that requires you to do this? And everywhere else doesn't, there hasn't really been any, you know, widespread COVID in four or five months. Do you think they're going to stick with it? I'm not so sure they are. You know, you bring up a great point. I, I guess I don't see, I don't Im imagine a governor or a mayor of New York City coming out five months from now and saying, you know, the numbers have gone down. We've reached 75, 80% vaccinated. You know, we can, we can let go of this. It's weird. Once you give somebody control um, they they just they want more and more. That that's true. Uh, I see your point. One, you're getting a new mayor in New York, hmm. so that's I think going to be. You're also getting a new mayor in Los Angeles next year, right. and you you're getting you could be getting a new governor in California in six weeks. So, what's going to be the impact of that? Like, there's a like a heavy. A significant share of the African-Americans living in New York City have not been vaccinated, okay? You're about the next mayor is most likely going to be Eric Adams, an African-American man. Mm -hmm. You think he's going to try to impose that on the African-American population in New York? Or saying, you know, kind of calmly, slowly, but surely, once the case numbers have been down for a while, hey, I think we can allow, you know, we, we no longer need to enforce this. Or will they be enforcing it so lightly that people will just naturally stop enforcing it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. As you say that, I, I could actually see that happening. That's a really good point. And I, and I think Larry Elder sort of has that same potential here in California. I think he will potentially try and bring the layers back and, and unscrew the or, or uh, loosen the screws a bit. I, I don't know. I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Maybe it'll take two African-Americans. It looked like with, with Newsom, right? Part of the reason he may be, be recalled is that so many California parents spent last year wondering why their friends, kids in other states were in school and theirs weren't. Yeah. I'm not kidding. That's a big reason why he might lose. 
I'm not, do not underestimate that. Okay. I, you know, a big portion of my followers are, and probably you wouldn't think, cause I, I don't have a family. I have a ton, some, my most engaged followers are parents. Yeah. I have a ton of parent followers. Okay. And there I, it is, you can, it, a lot of people that I've noticed are slightly left leaning, moderate Democrat, but don't really pay that much attention. Just kind of vote mechanically for whoever the Democrat is in California because they figure why not. And that got that, you know, were turned off by Newsom specifically about we were turned off by by the progressive movement last year in response to Newsom school closures and the activities of the uh, of the teachers, uh, the teachers unions. And these are people who in 2018 would have just kind of, uh, uh, you know, without thinking, mindlessly voted for him and who now are going to vote against him. And similarly, if you're going, you know, if you're going, if you've got a, a population that's being treated differently than every other city in America, you know, that's going to have some electoral blowback eventually. Yeah. Like, eventually it's going to turn. Are you really winning that many votes with that? But are you potentially losing some? Yes. Newsom to me symbolizes the, I don't, I almost feel there's this diabolical, um, aura to him to me he's really emblematic of, of uh, this sort of evil dystopian leader that just wants to yeah. they can't let go and, and i i do think it's why kamala's coming out here and, and all these people are coming oh, out absolutely. it's like yeah. they realize how important he is oh oh absolutely well he was the poster boy i yeah. mean he was you know he was up and coming and he does represent so much of the kind of you know polished smooth but hey i rep I may be a, a lean, tall, good-looking white guy, but I'm really in it for everyone who doesn't look like me. But not really, but, but I'm pro-business, but I'm super pro-regulation, but I'm hypocritical about, it's just the hypocrisy of the entire movement in it professing to be about those, you know, the underdog, but really not being. Yeah. And, and that he's so beholden to like into his interest groups and his donors that he really does not, he does not make decisions with the greater good in mind by any stretch of the imagination. And here's the thing, really what probably gets to you, what I think gets to a lot of people about him is that he knows that you can tell he knows better. Yeah. Right. You can tell deep down, like he knows, like this guy knows, Oh fuck deep down. Oh shit. All these people left for Texas and Florida. I must be doing something wrong. They seem to allow more societal activity, and I kept things close. And then Texas removes their mask mandate, and he tweets out, "Oh, it was so irresponsible." What? Like, who are you? Who do you think you are? What? What gives you? Stop mouthing off. Their state made their decisions, and their citizens seem to be satisfied with it. And a lot of our citizens seem to be satisfied with it because they're moving there. Shut up. Yeah. You have no standing. You have no business commenting on that. Like, or he knows that letting 76,000 prisoners uh, out of prison is not a good idea when you're already dealing with a homelessness crisis. You're already dealing with conditions that make it difficult to absorb uh, people coming from that background into day-to-day jobs and, and normal life and finding apartments and everything. And But he did it anyways because he said, hey, this is what this, this, I'm reading. I'm reading my base and my base and the interest, the progressive interest groups 
want to show decarceration and whatever we consider to be criminal justice reform to be, which apparently is letting 76,000 felons out. But anyway, so I'm going to do that in um, uh, against my best instincts and my common sense and what I know to be right, because, you know, something it will allow me to position myself and frame myself as the, as the progressive wonder child. It's the same thing why he, after what George Gascon did to San Francisco and knew someone and, uh, and endorsed Gascon for LA, like that's the perfect example. Like yeah. he knew this guy's, he knew, we tested, we tested George Gascon in San Francisco. It was a, a, a failure of immeasurable scope. Everyone knows it. Everyone saw it right in front of their face. And he went and endorsed him anyways because, okay, this is where the progressive movement, my donor class is at. So uh, this is the decision I'm going to make. I think that's what really gets to people about him. Yeah. And why he's at risk of being recalled in a state where his party uh, uh, is two, has a two-to-one advantage in voter registration. That's insane. Do you know how bad you have to be to get recalled when you are, what, like, to lose a recall when your party is uh, has a two to one voter registration advantage? It's nuts. Well, what's interesting is we went up to Northern California uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're driving back down, and there's these ads coming up on the radio about the recall, and this this sort of leans towards my um, hatred or or disdain towards the media. It is amazing how these ads are saying you know Republican driven. Trump, uh, Trump-driven recall. Yeah. It, no, no basis to reality whatsoever. No, literally, but it literally is numerically impossible. It's literally numerically impossible for these po- for him to have these poll numbers for the recall to be this close and for it to be Republican-driven, g- given the registration uh, uh, numbers in California. Besides the fact that everyone I know, you can find any you know it, uh, uh, anecdotal evidence itself. Just an anecdote here or there doesn't have much value. But when the anecdotes compile and you compound the anecdotes, they start to have value. Everyone knows, they know that I have Democrat friends who dislike, the who don't approve of the job you're doing. And for him to say, and this is, uh, for him to go out there and for them to take this tack that this is only aggrieved Republicans, it, it bears no, it has no basis in reality whatsoever. And it's what's pissing a lot of people off because they're saying, well, no, you screwed up. Clearly, Something's wrong in this state when we have the, the first time ever with net migration outflow. Like there are clear problems in this state, and you want to just deflect from them and just say that uh, the only the only people who care, you know, who seem to notice that anything's going wrong in California are Republicans. Like that's not true. Well, I think the Republican Party is going to have a long uphill battle because because of Trump. And and again, I'm not supporting. I I didn't vote for him. I didn't like him. But be, because he was in office though for four years, and the media's utter disdain and and lambasting him for four years, anybody that isn't, you know, whatever the narrative is being promulgated by CNNs is you know, is conveniently lumped in as a white supremacist slash Trump lover. And I think it's really going to be, it's going to disrupt uh, civil conversation and objectivity for a it, long time. It absolutely time. has. There's definitely been an attempt to do that. Yeah. You know, then we're kind of seeing, okay, where has that attempt failed, right? Like they're definitely trying to do that. You're seeing it with, and that's why I, once again, I think, man, the the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth order impacts of Newsom losing this election would, are just massive. Mm-hmm. 
At some point, you can't deny reality. If that guy, if a Democrat gets recalled in California, you can note that the argument that anyone who opposes what's going on in, in you know, the progressive platform is some Trump lover goes just nobody can make that argument anymore. And it's not true. Yeah. I can specifically tell you the, the recall campaign told Donald Trump, we don't want anything to do. Do not comment on this. Do not come to California. We don't want you involved. Yeah. Like, I can tell you that. No, I, 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 I believe you. And I read the same information and he, even, you know, they were calling, even the LA times basically referred to Larry Elder as the, the Trump white supremacist, you know, it's. So you're seeing, okay. Similarly, you're seeing that with who, with Eric Adams, who won the Democrat primary in New York. He's a black former police officer, Democrat who is a Democrat but uh, it holds a number of, of views and policies that align with, you know, more kind of general democratic thinking. Right. But his approach towards criminal justice and police reform and policing is a little more conservative and a little more traditional and, and does not very anti defund the police and really rejects what's being peddled by, you know, the organization Black Lives Matter um, and a lot of the kind of, you know, criminal justice reform, progressive activists. And he won. And he won with heavy black support. Okay. So as these things compile, where there's things that you just can't ignore, right? Where like, where anyone who's looking at it at all can just tell, well, no, not everyone who rejects what you're serving is some, you know, MAGA lunatic. Eventually that, that breaks. And so, you know, for a number of reasons, but that's one of the, if I'm looking at what the positives of the Newsom recall going through would be, would be one of those, like, no, the way that California is being operated is negligent and derelict. Okay. It's harming people's lives. And we know that the people running the state are flushing it down the toilet and you don't have to be some MAGA Trump loving lunatic to recognize that. The thing that, yeah, the thing that's interesting to me and, and uh, I eventually want to ask you a question. I'm thinking about truth, but one discussion that's not being had, and Barry Weiss is this, she, she had a job at the New York Times, but then she, she sort of became famous for writing that op-ed for, for leaving and why she left. And she ended up now forming her own podcast, and she's on Substack. And she's, I just think she's a brilliant journalist, and I really like her podcast. So she had an episode today talking about the fallout of the virus and how China has sort of not only benefited from this, but sort of any examination of the leak theory uh, is yeah. is dismissed and and I'm not you know suggesting although I think psychologically we're sort of going through a world war right now um, it's just amazing how they have sort of gone through this unscathed and they're they're benefiting actually more financially and, oh. Oh, oh they are you ex- this situation accelerated China China geopolitically of a decade oh at least and so here we are you know having these discussions about masks and vaccines and, and people are virtue signaling and it's crazy. But, and then there's China just sort of quietly just, uh, going about their business, going about their business and, and continuing to, you know, assert, uh, be more empowered, assert more authority militarily, uh, culturally, and, and look at that their model of kind of techno authoritarianism is the future. Yes. And, you know, I don't see I don't see much pushback on that. Like I, 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 a friend of mine who usually is pretty 
shrewd and it usually has a good perspective on these things, but sometimes I haven't, you know, aligned with them fully on a lot of COVID stuff. And, you know, someone tweeted out something about how we just stopped looking into the lab. Like, and kind of, well, what would we do differently depending on, you know, how that turns out? I was like, really? <laughs> do you, should we just say screw it? And who cares if we figure out who killed John F. Kennedy or whether there was an additional shooter or a conspiracy because, well, what are we going to do differently? And they're all probably dead now. Like, the truth matters. Like uh, having a society that knows the answer and has firm consent, uh, firm consensus built around certain truths, like that's important. Okay. It does govern a lot of decision-making and a lot of feeling, a lot of intangibles, like uh, the country knowing, for instance, that, you know, this, and it was not our fault that this was, does trace back to a, 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 a bad actor. That's a hostile foreign power. Like, yeah, that's good to know. You want to know that. In deciding what this country's approach is going to be, be taken towards geopolitics and sovereignty going forward. Well, these are important things. It's you're right. Um, it, it, in reference to this book I'm reading, I, I don't think truth is held up anymore. I don't think it really is at the forefront of people's minds. I think money is more at the forefront of people's minds. I think like these these complicated relationships that corporations have developed with China, that's more important than finding the truth. I, I just, I get so distraught. Tribal signaling is more important. Yeah, it really feels that way. And and I think, oh, and I um, think that's I, my last little, I just, I'm thinking, I think the reason why I'm where I'm at right now emotionally and, and often confused is because these leaders of the media circus, their, their goal is to find the truth at, at any cost. And that is no longer their goal. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, tribal signaling. And yeah, the frustration and a lot of why I do what I do is, is because I see so many otherwise smart people because they are, they're still conditioned to believe that if something comes from a journalistic source, you know, with a, a, a byline or, or one of these institutions, that it has credibility. And some of the things they're putting out there are, are not just, you know, a little off. They're, they're completely detached from any sort of reality whatsoever. Right. And I mean, the lab leak thing, that was it. I was like, Jesus Christ, people, do you not see this is the most significant event in modern history, okay? And all the institutions that were supposed to be, that, that, that was their job, like to, to ascertain truth and, and dispense it back to the public, to inform the public, specifically conspired to not seek the truth. They didn't even look for it. And not out of laziness, they, they specifically intimidated, they tried to create a, an, an internal... Uh, an internal uh, industry consensus not to even seek it from no, like out of pure tribal signaling and to a certain extent to harm the, the guy who's currently the president. Like, I'm sorry, I don't give a shit. Like, I found a lot of things about Trump distasteful. I'm not supporting that. If you decide to deviate and veer away from the truth because the truth might help Donald Trump, I have I had no sympathy for you or do have no sympathy for you now. And like after that, how are you supposed to, you know, look at what these people are feeding you without a critical eye? Think like, wait a second, if this is what's being told, you know, okay, maybe I, I maybe the burden of proof is then on the, you know, the, the, the 
contrary point of view, but don't you at least look into it? Don't you at least do more than just take it with a grain of salt or take it on its face? Like there's still some, a lot of people have woken up a lot. They have, but there's still too many people who are just looking for whatever will help them signal that, you know, I'm in this tribe and we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. And and that's it. And it's a lot, you know, and honestly it's with the anti-vax people. That's a lot of it too. I see, I know, I see some people who uh, are, are uh, skeptical of the vaccine um, due to, you know, actual academic research and a balancing of interests and risks and benefits. But there's some other people who just want to, you know, sh- uh, kind of flaunt and signal their rebellious nature yeah. and, you know, fuck it, I'm not taking the shot. Like, uh, it's the same thing on that side. I don't, I don't respect or have regard for those people at all either. Yeah, because it's, it's uh, it, it, at what point... I mean, look, I, I am certainly um, apprehensive to trust the media. Uh, the me- I've had lots of issues health-wise over the years, and it hasn't been through physicians' hard work that got me healthy. It was my own hard work. Uh, yeah. I certainly believe there are good doctors out there. I can't just throw these blanket statements that uh, they're all in it for the money and they're all sort of all being run by pharmaceutical companies. But... Gosh, it's really hard for me to trust what's going on right now. And then I hate that. I hate that. I hate yeah. living in that world right now. And that's why, even though I'm I'm in you know on the side of the vaccine has significant benefits and should be taken by the vast majority of people, the people using that for co like everything about coercion, it just makes society worse. Yeah. Everything about the the you know, moral demonization of, of others for not taking a vaccine makes society worse. Right. And yeah. you say, well, the health benefits was like, well, I gotta be honest. If in taking the vaccine, as it appears to be, you've reduced the, the, the likelihood of severe reactions to near to you know, essentially zero, then why the hell are you bitching about it? Right. If this really, you know, if this is really, them harming themselves and others who have made the decision, then, okay, then, you know, then they, they should have to live with that. Right. I agree like, with you completely. It, it, it just everything is ugly about this attempt to, you know, to segment society into the haves and have nots based on this. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Two things I'm thinking about. Do you think six months from like, where do you think this is going? Are you encouraged about where we're going? Or I, I can't believe. I mean, I'm not encouraged in if I, if you're setting your baseline at how I would like things to be going. I'm not encouraged. If you're setting my, the baseline at how things are actually going, I think they'll probably be going better. Okay. I think I am hopeful on this recall. I mean, honestly, I'm probably trying to be a little too pessimistic. My better sense says he's probably going to lose, but I'm I'm telling myself he's probably still a slight favorite. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to have, I think it's going to reverberate, man. I think like, cause then you're going to get a bunch of politicians who are then worried about their jobs. Yeah. They're like, Oh wow. We were just rejected like that. <laughs> um, and that's powerful. Yeah. And yes, yes. As the, as Delta, this Delta spike fades, which, you know, at its worst, was as bad as the winter in places that didn't get that hit, hit that hard during the winter. And as that fades and in six to eight weeks when you're like, all right, like 
the hospitals have emptied out in the places that they were full and they never got full in 95% of the places. I think it's a little bit more of, okay, wait a second. Like we, yeah, we have to return to normal. Um, so I think we'll be in a better place in six months. Um, I still think it's going to be a lot dirtier and, and more chaotic and divisive and, you know, and, and with more fraying of the social fabric than we'd like, but it'll be better than it is now. Do you feel um, safe when you go outside and count? Like, do you, do you, cause when I go out and I don't know if I'm projecting, but my friends tell me I'm not, I feel a, a level of anxiety in the air. There's a little bit to what, a little bit. Okay. Um, there's, yeah, I've been trying to fight it off too. And I'm pretty good about fighting these things off, but it, it's getting to, you know, it gets to a lot of people. Um, there's this super intangible fraying of the social fabric that I discussed. There is the, yes, just kind of this ugliness. And think about how many times you have to make a decision now as to, or an encounter where there could be some regulation, violation, uh, uh, um, confrontation, you know, it's just, it's higher than it was two years ago. Yeah. It, then you've got some crime issues in California or there's <laughs> like, I remember, you know, I, about a month ago, I woke up early on a Sunday morning. I, I made it around to go run a couple errands and go get some breakfast. I think I saw three different separate instances of clearly, you know, drug addled, erratic homeless people like threatening or yelling on the side of it's like, who, yeah, it's not, who wants that? Yeah. This happens a lot. And I remember it because I was a kid growing up in LA in the eighties and nineties. And this was just part of the, this was just a feature, you know, in the brochure. That was just part of living in a big American city in the seventies, eighties and nineties. And then it disappeared for 20 years and now it's back. Yeah. Last, last, not even question. Well, I guess it is, but sure. uh, Barry Weiss I, I, is somebody that I'm paying attention to on Substack, podcast, newsworthy person I think people should follow. What, mm-hmm. what are you listening to or watching that you believe is, is feeding you worthwhile, truthful information? Barry's great. Uh, cigar and crystal ball. What, what is their cigar? Uh, this is uh, Glenn Greenwald still without a doubt the best sure um breaking points with crystal and cigar okay like contrary like this is the conversation we're supposed to be having hmm. reasonable informed conservative guy reasonable informed liberal woman like discussing the issues having guests not yelling at each other <laughs> and appealing to civility and not being afraid to take positions that run counter the narrative of the corporate media and they left their they they left the hill, and within like a week had the highest rated podcast in the iTunes store. Yeah, like they are. Yeah, I think they're they're the that's the example. Great, Matt. I, I feel a lot less anxious after talking to you. I I, I really appreciate hearing you. I, I I just I think you're bringing a lot of great useful information out of the world. So I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad I glad I could give you a little luck. Whether it's warm or cold comfort, um, and always, you know, always enjoy speaking with you, Eddie. And um, I'm glad that you know what I've been doing is resonating with you. And you know, yeah, awesome. you. appreciate Thanks your time, you. dude. Yeah, man, have a great Absolutely. day. Cool. You too, bro. Later. Later.